0: We're back. This is Villaincast, the podcast of Chris Payne's The Villain. Uh, and this week is, again, on the uh, other side of the line is Naki Arshad. Um, hello, Naki. Hola, amigo. How are you? Hello, man. Uh, so, first off, I want to uh, say shout out to our sponsors. We haven't got any. <laughs> would you make me think then? <laughs> Actually, no. Okay. That's not exactly... Uh, incorrect we do have uh, Patreon and uh, there are people on there who have supported uh, yeah. myself on this channel uh, for the videos etc so I would like to shout out to them so thank you to the Patreon channel for donating so I can get equipment to make videos like this so thank you to them so they are our sponsors yeah. for now unless actually real people like businesses come forward and like <laughs> <laughs> This is crowdfunded for now. Um, yes, it's been one week since our last one. Uh, that podcast went out uh, last week. It went out really well. Um, we have the Discord channel. Um, I had a few ideas on the last week's episode and we talked about quite a lot. Uh, it then kind of blew up and like loads of questions have come through this week. Uh, so I'm going to try and turn this into a uh, weekly... Uh, sit down with you, because it seems like we get through quite a lot of uh, discussion on that channel. Um, I don't know what they want to hear. We just talk shit for being an hour. <laughs> oh, dude, tell me about it. So we've actually, uh, uh, for the people who actually are joining us on this now, um, this podcast can now be found not only on YouTube, but uh, Spotify and Amazon. Um, hopefully more in the not too distant future uh so f- first thing in our little mailbag of questions for this week um is the question on grip fighting so we did a i did a video on the pocket uh and um an introduction to that idea that there's a distance where uh the fight matters so it's like kind of in between part that's just kind of assumed happens um where you're either outside of the pocket, and then all of a sudden something magic happens, and then you've got your grips that you wanted, and you can do the techniques. Completely ignoring the fact that getting those grips should be a war. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of the uh, introduction to the pocket. I will put uh, little tags on the uh, YouTube of this and uh, put links through to the uh, pocket introduction video. so to start off with that. A uh, there was a specific question of winning grips from the top of half guard. Now we have fought numerous times. It's normally my half guard that you're trying to deal with. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on that? What's what do you normally look for in trying to beat top half? Then I'll come in with my uh, my own suggestions afterwards.
1: So when I'm playing top half, what I'm looking for is number one, to get you flat. So I want your shoulders flat. Um, mm-hmm. Where I don't want your shoulders is at that magic shoulder point, that 45-degree angle, because that's dangerous. Um, or all the way over where you can get play like running man. So you're hiding your bottom arm, which is a variation we play sometimes as well.
0: Um, uh, so a quick um, explanation there. You mentioned the the magic shoulder. Can, yeah. What do you mean by... Uh, so magic obviously, shoulder. I know what you mean, but what do you mean by magic shoulder?
1: Obviously, before... Before Baby Bridge and everything, uh, we didn't really have Baby Bridge or we weren't aware of it. We used to play the magic shoulder thing where we would lift, basically not be, be flat. The, the whole idea is to not be flat uh, and to have one shoulder off the ground all the time. Um, and again, it's similar to the hand fire that it should be a battle. And it should be a battle if somebody's trying to pin you on the floor that you just just give them both your shoulders. So the magic shoulder came about where... If you lift one, whichever shoulder you're lifting, so if I'm lifting my left shoulder, I want to support it with my left leg uh, or left hip, more importantly. Uh, And then that way, it's very hard for them to flatten you. And if they do really try and flatten you, then you can use their momentum to start looking for underhooks, bumping them side to side. You know, you're making a move on top. They're not just there with that underhooks, safely just waiting, playing their game, trying to you know submit you and all that stuff. So pinning you down should be a game in itself.
0: I think one of the uh, the the core principles behind what you're trying to get to because obviously I've mostly talked about this and I think before we had a great big push on baby bridge um and maybe hawking 2.0 we had like a similar idea with like I said, yeah. magic shoulder was the idea of uh, like you say not being flat i try and uh, whenever i explain this these days it's the idea of the x and the y axis as in you make sure you're not on the uh x flat or Y completely on your side. And the reason why yeah. I don't particularly like either of those uh, positions for your body is that it's kind of the position where your legs don't really work to, yep. the, to the extent that they should. The second you go into a diagonal where um, I've used other words for describes for, I think uh, anyone's ever watched any of my stuff before knows the term nipples. Um,
1: <laughs> the third nipple. I, I
0: won't explain that here. Uh, But, yeah, you want to have, like, a 45-degree angle to your shoulders because that kind of activates your legs. That kind of is, uh, if anyone's seen Hawking 2.0 or um, Baby Bridge, very similar, that's, you your legs are are thoroughly activated in those uh, positions. I think that's what you're trying to get to when it comes to the, you don't want me to be in that position on the bottom of half guard is that if I'm in one of those 45-degree angles, and my my legs are kind of active. I can, yeah, I can... Uh, create good pressure to the floor or, yeah. or into you In the other angles it's quite difficult um,
1: I mean and then you can obviously you can attack both sides you can come for single legs on one side and then you can start playing your deep half or you're attacking the far leg game or you know upper body grips and stuff you know so yes. if you're flat then you've got to first get to the side and then start playing your game and if I can stop you getting that angle then be, I, I can deal with you easily like then I can look for my underhooks and stuff
0: I think there's a like a general kind of uh, principle for stepping away from the. Um, I'll, I'll circle back around to the top half uh, specificity of this, um, The general ideas on actually winning a grip battle, depending on uh, if you're top or bottom, is actually using kind of these external attributes to your advantage, and you could probably uh, attest to how familiar this sounds. Um, When I go hunting from uh, bottom guard for grips, especially not half guard or anything like that, um, I don't want you in balance when I go into my grips because it's two versus two. It's my hands versus your hands.
1: Exactly.
0: Balance isn't going to be one of my issues because I'm on my back. I can't fall anymore. I'm already on the ground. You can fall. Um, yes. so I'm going to use the uh, fact that I have four limbs at my disposal I have four weapons, that's why we have guard is that I have two arms and two legs in this fight um, I'm going to use that to my advantage, I'm going to unbalance you, it doesn't have to be a sweep or anything like that, but I'm going to make you put your hand on the ground Yes. because yes. as you put your hand on the ground, that means you have one less limb in this because yes. theoretically you have uh as many weapons as I have, you have two arms and two legs, except two of your weapons are being used for locomotion you're, and, and keeping you upright, your legs, so they're taking out the fight for the most part. Um, so you have two hands. So if I can lock up one of those hands by knocking it onto the floor, then it's two versus one. I mean, yeah. Or even four versus one. And I'll win that exchange. Um, so On the flip side of that, when you're um, on top, you have gravity on your side. Yeah. And so, automatically, like if you can pinch one of those grips in towards the hips or if I lock it towards the floor, I know you do that to me. Yeah. uh, You can use gravity and and weight mobility. Yeah. Gravity and mobility. Overcome that bottom person's um, four weapons strength. Exactly. It's going to be hard for me if I'm pushing from the bottom to to use my grip if your weight is behind your grips on top um yeah. like how many times have we locked each other's like wrists and towards our gut
1: yeah
0: like <laughs> like for my like clothes guard for example yeah so as a general i mean there are further ideas another one is um uh control of uh, bone over <laughs> other things so actually like hunting for the radial bone um yeah. Anyone who is listening to this via audio only channels, uh, you won't be able to see this, but just at the kind of the just above the elbow here, um, you'll feel like a, a, a rounding of like the radio. or no, you can kind of grab onto that of like your finger and thumb and actually use that as a, as a connection. Um, also, the idea of I remember I think it was Dan Strauss actually, um, in one of his seminars where he came down to us talking about have kind of amplify leverage when you go down a limb so if you imagine the uh, say if the arm was just like one solid bit of wood from yeah. your shoulder all the way down to to be your finger um, it'd almost be like the leverage would like make sense like you know there'd be a a, a mathematical you know logarithmic kind of uh, explanation for the further you went down the arm mathematically you know the leverage would increase yep yeah. Arms aren't like that, they have joints. And the, and as soon as you kind of like pass a joint, the um, leverage kind of increases your your the amount of power you can exert over someone's arm increases. Like yeah. going from one side of the wrist to the other from the from the forearm to the hand is is exponentially stronger. So control the fingers. I mean Yeah. And that's kind of frowned upon. Like don't grab the fingers. Of course you can't Keep be changing. changing the rules. Yeah, yeah. Three or more is fine. So doing that as well like amplifying the the leverage issue of like you know grab the furthest from the extremity um fingers or or, or toes if you're if you're playing on top of half guard as well uh top of guard i say yeah um so general when the idea is on grip fine do more of it use the natural attributes to your advantage a if you're on the bottom you have balance to destroy, use it. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you're on top, use gravity and mass to your advantage. Um, and when it comes back to the the top half problem, um, I think it's almost like a change in perspective. As long as you can kind of stick to the guard principles of limiting how much someone is behind uh, your knees behind your knees yeah like, it's, they've got a half a, they've got a single leg on you with their legs that's what half yeah. guard is but also you can kind of change your perspective um and when we get back in the gym i want to uh do a video on this about the bottom leg and that's kind of the integral part of half guard if you can pass that bottom knee yeah you can of destroy a lot of things as long as you don't get behind your knee as well and go for like deep half um also, like, you know, there's there's head locations, there's there's forward pressure and stuff like that. But I think if you can get past that bottom knee, you can change your perspective on bottom half from it being a guard to a side control with their leg court. I think if you can do that, actually, I think it changes the perspective of the person on top. Uh, But this then goes into a further kind of idea of, like, Yeah, it's massive, this is. Oh, we can, I think we're going to kill this topic. So it's definitely yeah. something I'm going to uh, put forward on the Discord channel, but goes into the idea of jab cross. Like, yeah. don't just pass. If you just pass, you're just throwing jabs. Like, you have to throw a submission as well from yeah. top. Like, give them something to threaten about. Um, and
1: change directions. Could you be, you know, if that's your hook, then you yeah. know what I mean? Then you want to Exactly. Two
0: exactly. Um,
1: or if you're going to try and go through them like stats and stuff, that's the uppercut, so you're mixing it all up. You know, you're trying to just
0: pass it's 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 dumb because it's like, oh, I just have to deal with them trying to get past my guard. They're not thinking yeah. my ankles are in danger. Uh, it's the same with on the bottom. Like if you're just going for a sweep or just a submission,
1: nah, you got to mix it up.
0: Oh God, yeah. You, like the only way I've, I'll ever get hold of you is I have to like really unbalance the hell out of you, and as you're falling over, I'll normally latch onto your leg and and go for it. Yeah. Um, anything else, it's not worth it. Um, but I hope that answers that question. I'm like, okay, so general ideas on grip fighting and winning grips from top half.
1: And Users hand pins. Act- hand pins, like that's something I think is underused in grappling in general, pinning the hands to the body or to the floor.
0: Oh, completely. You
1: know like, what I mean? Like how many times do I have to do that to you and then I have the opportunity then getting you back central? Because if I don't pin your hands, there's no way I can get you back flat. Or take your legs or hips yeah. face to ceiling again. You know what
0: I mean? Well, if you've you've taken them completely out of the fight. As in, the same way, say if you're on uh, in Turtle, you can use it on both sides, of the turtle, like just pinning someone's hand into the floor. Yeah. Like, as soon as you get a hold of that fight and they, they can't really move, they're kind of stuck to the ground. Uh,
1: yeah. I think
0: there needs to be a, like, a further kind of delve into that. But I, I really love, look forward to actually doing that in the gym with a, in a new video if you get <laughs> some good news tomorrow. Yeah. Um, that kind of then leads nicely onto the the next question I want to go through was that of turning defence into attack. So obviously a lot of the people who have come through on this channel are aware of Preet, uh, the guy who kind of mentored us into this uh, system. Um, and one of the confusing parts of it, I mean, I actually do have uh, Preet tomorrow in a podcast, and I, I want to talk to him about this, especially the Sahabi stuff. Oh yeah, um, yeah, is. Before I get into that with him and I'll really do a deep dive into that hopefully tomorrow. Um how do you then how do you turn like because we've actually had to work a lot through this, turn the when you're defending into an attack? What would you say would like be the critical points of that?
1: Turning defending to attack. I mean You've got to wrestle, man. You've got to, you've got to be able to wrestle. You've got to be able to play jiu It's like you just said, it's a jab cross. You've got to be able to play, throw things at um sweeps submissions, because you've got to get them unbalanced. And this is where we're now working on the attack at our gym before COVID, where you know we were looking at all that stuff where we were like, okay, we can't get them if they're in a position. We need to get them in transition. So even if you're on the bottom, you've got to get them moving because if they just stay there, they're going to start hunting for you. So it's all about movement. You've got to initiate movement, in my opinion.
0: There's actually quite an interesting thing that I, uh, again, I think you're completely right with, uh, you don't attack uh, someone who's static. Uh, no. It's easy to attack someone who's in transition. And the amount of times I've actually heard various uh, black belts talk about this idea. Um, it was one of the super high-level guys, I mean, Changi or someone like that, uh, said it. I remember reading it like a few years ago, said it or something like that video where if someone's trying to go from like a side control to mount, for example, whilst yeah. they're in side control, all their weight is spread across four limbs. But as soon as they start going for mount, they have to shift their weight out of one of the limbs to move it. Mm. That's just human physiology. You have to take your weight off something in order to move it. It's how we yeah. walk. And so the best time to then try and take them and move them and move that leg is when their weight's not on it. Because it's no longer heavy. (laughs) Um, It's like
1: wrestling. When we teach single legs, we like, if you're going for the front leg, you've got to nudge them to put their weight on on their back leg so the front leg becomes light and it's an easy lift.
0: Yeah, of course. You can't just lift someone who's got their weight on their front leg. Exactly, same principle. Um, And actually, something I started to talk about um, with people was this idea of uh, there is, (laughs) I feel dirty for saying this, um, some benefit to like the idea of Wing Chun, and actually it was quite funny. I was watching a video the other day. I think it was like useless martial arts or something. I'm not saying that Wing Chun is useless, but I think it was not useful in MMA or something. Oh yes, was, MMA uh... on
1: point. I watched it as well. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> and I so, said like there is benefit to Wing Chun. It sounds like you know it's, I might have been dreaming this, Um but it's relationship that you could actually see it's kind of benefit in something like in BJJ, in that um it's that kind of like feeling your opponent move by being relaxed. Yeah. Like the more stressed you are, you're not going to pick up on their like slight movements. But if you like, you know, if you have a frame on someone's uh, hip and bottom of side control, for example, if you're stretching and pushing, you're not going to feel their sudden weight shift when they do take the weight off their leg to move. Yes. And that's the moment you do move. Yeah. Um, so I think there's numerous like little laws and concepts that you can kind of bring into this, like, how do you turn defense into attack? Move in the transitions. Um, wrestle, yeah, absolutely. Uh, get back onto all fours. I think, um, I look at the, the uh, logic of, of jiu-jitsu. Is that throughout all of human history and time and space and whatever, um, whenever grappling has existed, it always has come back to the same kind of core tenant of once a, uh, a human being is on their back, they're in a bad place. That's why we have pins. Yeah. That's you know like uh, when I was in Iceland, uh, with the glow Trot camps we did some gleamer. Um, you know, it's the exact same idea. This is how Vikings kind of settled their differences: is that you, you know, you put the man on his back about going off your own feet, because you know, mm-hmm. as soon as the man's on his back, he's he's, he's dead. Judo, same idea with the ipon, uh, catch wrestling, and Greco-Romans, all put someone on their back. Why? Because yeah. someone who can get onto their front, can get up. Simple as that.
1: Simple as that, uh, exactly.
0: And if someone can get up, they can carry on fighting. So use that to our advantage then. So from a wrestling perspective, if you can get to all fours, that's why this turtle system works really well. There's a chance I can wrestle again. I can get up. I can yes. move in the transitions. Um, but then looking at the concept of jiu-jitsu, why does jujitsu work? You know, the idea of, okay, I am on my back, is you're increasing your weapons from two to four. That's the yeah. difference between jujitsu and wrestling. Is that instead of just being on my back and having to use strength to try and get back up onto all fours, I can use, uh, I can maneuver myself with shrimps or whatever to then bring my legs into the fight, increase my weapon load by frames. two, yeah, uh, and then attack um, with these extra weapons and try and get back upright again. Yeah. Are those people who say that jujitsu doesn't make sense in a street fight, of course it does. You don't be on your back. It all, anyway. it all goes down to that
1: it all goes down to that you know get on You uh, no, get on top stay on top win on top you know what i mean yeah, that's exactly. what it comes
0: down to isn't it chris hoyt had it right like yeah chris hoyt, uh, hoyt be yeah. the guy on top um, So t- talking back round to defer- turning uh, defense into attack um, look at those core ideas of what jiu jitsu what wrestling actually means it means can you get onto your front can you get upright again Uh, Learn some wrestling, like not high, not high impact kind of, you know, lifting someone up into the air, Matt Hughes style and dunking, somersaults and none of that. (laughs) Yeah, just like how to do a low single, how to do a low double, like collecting someone's knees together, like a knee tap, and just putting them over. That's enough.
1: Yeah,
0: that's really all you need. Um, That actually, uh, uh, don't carry
1: on. Yeah, clinches, collar ties. That's all your hand fighting, isn't it, really? You know, that's yeah. where we get our hand fighting, from wrestling, it's all clinches, collar ties, uh, you know, arm drags, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly, just uh, pocket work. <laughs> pocket yeah. work, close and distance. I mean, um, delve into this a lot deeper, and I think I actually will. Actually, I want to go through a... Uh, I'm going to be making a video soon on the bicycle wheel uh, problem and uh, stuff like that. And so hopefully, uh, if you have listened to this podcast, if you are tuning into this, uh, definitely check out that video because it will uh, explain a lot of like uh, the circular issues in Jiu Jitsu and how you can actually use those to your advantage. And that is a key part, I think, of turning defense into attack or vice versa. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of shaped this uh, with all the questions that we've actually been asked. I've been trying to find a way of shaping this together so it actually makes some sort of sense. sense. <laughs> the next question was. Um, do counters exist or do you have to be all just about dominance in jiu-jitsu? Nah, Your man. Thoughts, there's,
1: there's a counter to everything. Like before, we always just think, no, this is it. This works and that's it. But like the more you do this, you know, this new system, the more it's like, okay, now we've got an answer. It's not, there's got to be another answer. There's got to be another answer. There's an answer to everything. And it all comes down to timing, in my opinion. I think.
0: It's almost like um, jujitsu, as it's normally taught, traditionally taught, yeah, is about counters. It's about counter punching. It's this idea of, you know, they do X, you do Y, um, in that that is a counter, that is a counter punch or whatever. They've done something. And in that exact moment in the chaos where all the plants have aligned, you do something that's a counter move, even if yes. you're in a um, non dominant position, even if you're in a non dominant situation, you could pull off this counter move. Yeah, uh, I think that's the problem is that that is normal jujitsu, and this is where this system's kind of like filled in the gaps that shouldn't yes. exist beforehand. In uh, yes. all we had were counters, all we had were counter punches, we didn't have a system of how do you just cover your chin, yeah, how do you just defend on a pure basis yeah. how do you just attack on a pure basis um what is what is a good grip what is a dominant what is a dominant position um and if anyone who's actually kind of like trying to who's looking into to preets um general uh ideology on jujitsu. I think that's where like this it kind of fills the gaps. I mean you can have all these kind of magical things in jiu-jitsu and that should come, especially yes, you know, at your level like a brown belt and black belts and etc. But I don't think you should be doing it until like purple, brown, black belt. I think up until that point, it should just be about the core movements. It should just yes. be about the kind of basic boxing. Like how do you cover your chin, how do you block and then fire back? You can learn to counter bunch way down the line. But until then...
1: Yeah, defense, man. We've yeah. seen at our gym, like, new, new white belts coming and You can't submit them three, four months in. You're like, what? You know what I mean? You shouldn't yeah. be... Uh, I shouldn't... I wouldn't have to need to go to level two to submit, you know, a three-month white belt. I have to go to level two, two, two and three. You know what I mean? Because it they're not giving you the a lot
0: opportunity.
1: Yeah, way smaller. Like, what works? <laughs> we always say what works now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes the learning process a lot smaller because you know not saying? You don't need to learn. Uh, a million different of submissions <laughs> passes, or a million different sweeps, or a million different escapes from situations. There's always yes. one core one that always works. Once you have the core one down, then you can look at counters and stuff like that, Specifics, you know, in certain situations. Yeah. But until then, like, so that kind of uh, that question of do counters exist that all is all jiu jitsu has been is counters. Um, to certain situations. That's all everyone's ever done a setup to an outcome. I think the bigger question is why hasn't there been any jujitsu which isn't about counters? And that's what we're kind of deep diving into with yeah. what we're doing, what Preet's doing. And there are some people now in this, especially defensive BJJ, his site. I, I want to talk to him about that tomorrow and how that's actually um, growing. <laughs> Yeah. Exponential, how that's going to change now there's more people on it like crowd crowdfunded uh gray matter all over it um going from that then this is kind of one of the, the probably one of the bigger topics that we're probably going to go through uh how do you incorporate this style of training so okay and then I'm gonna. I've, I've already written in like my notes. I've called this the paradox, and uh, I've never said this to pre in the past. And I kind of I know I've said it in our gym. Uh, the paradox problem of how do you incorporate this? Say you're a blue belt and you come yeah. across our stuff, yeah. and you're from a traditional esque BJJ gym that trains in the traditional kind of way. Yeah. How do you incorporate this training when you are in that kind of gym? and you don't have a certain how that gym is, uh, the direction of that gym and how it's taught.
1: Yeah, you need to find someone who's going to listen to you and who's going to help you. Um, you need to... I mean, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't had that. Well, obviously, we're different. We haven't had that experience. Because uh, it was like, I, when we started, the hours of blue bark, He just basically came back and he said, fuck this. We need to get him down here, and we're going to do whatever he says. We're like, all right, then. <laughs> well, yeah, OK, yeah, no problem. We trust you, Chris,
0: no problem. You can actually look at that from a different way then, as in, how do you, as a student, yeah. change what you do compared to what the coach... Uh, I think this is an even bigger topic than... than how do you then, as a student, do you, as a student, um, step away from what your coach is teaching? To do something else that you've seen online can you is it um it goes back to that it goes back to that tribal problem we have in jiu-jitsu
1: um yeah
0: yeah yeah. like because obviously i i don't care in our gym we we don't care you know what i mean we'll go anywhere if anybody will train with anyone well no not even that as in um you know say i have uh my own thoughts on how we should train i'm the black belt of the gym and then you guys are kind of then left to your own devices to then actually fill in all the rest of the blanks. So I don't know, you know, obviously uh, you all watch different videos. You all go to different gyms, you bring yeah. back ideas and you train it. I think we're quite looking at uh, kind of an open way of doing it, but this is why I'm, I'm <laughs> I call it the paradox. <laughs> the paradox of this kind of training is that Obviously, you know you guys have known. I've done out, gone out, and done seminars. I do videos, and it's all this. And I know Preet does the videos, and you know all this kind of stuff on on um, what's basically the 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 family jewels of his gym. Like, what makes his gym so tough is this stuff. Yeah, like what his stuff he's figured out. And so you'd think, from a student's perspective, looking at his, the coach, thinking, hey, "Coach, you're, like, you're giving away the family secrets." Like, <laughs> like, nah, you, man. You know, we, so
1: we've
0: this had the, this
1: conversation before, aren't we?
0: This and, is the uh, paradox. Yeah, we've had that, this conversation. Yes, because it's like, okay, we've got all the stuff, Pre honestly yeah. trusted us with it, and you know, we kind of changed our gym. But then I'm off giving it away again. Yeah. So the paradox is, uh, I don't know if there's a true use of the word, but I just called it that because it's an easy way of remembering the, the, the idea in my head, is that it doesn't matter that I'm giving it away or anyone's paying attention. Yeah, unless there's a fundamental change in the gym, yeah, it means nothing anyway. Hundred like, percent.
1: This stuff only works if you practice it. If you're not rolling with people who don't do this on a daily basis, you ain't gonna get the timing. You ain't gonna.
0: It's yeah, different. you could be covering the gaps, like doing all the right things, but unless you actually train with someone who actually knows to hunt the gaps, yeah, you never build upon the timing. Exactly. So, um, and that's the great thing is this. This can be trained and uh. Uh, taught or whatever um, but unless everyone actually does it, it means nothing anyway, you actually don't get any growth out of it there needs yeah. to be like a fundamental change in the gym um, so then, okay so if that's a, the general problem with it how would you then go about actually as a blue belt or purple belt or even a white belt training this in a gym that is on a traditional way or how would you uh, how can you shape your training to be more efficient what would you say like to maximize your time so if you, you cannot be a mat rat you can only do like two or three sessions a week
1: oh uh, um i'd 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 stick to the defense just let them be on top L- learn whatever you're watching from pre or whatever and stay on bottom because once you figured out the bottom when you go when you get better a few months down the line you can start attacking and you'll understand it yourself but again it's that if you're not rolling with people who are hunting them gaps you won't uh progress as faster. But I think you'll still progress because the high belts do it, you know, the browns and the black belts, they they do hunt the gaps, uh, you know, probably in a different way mm. than what we do because we're looking for different things. But obviously it's there's a reason they're at the top or they are winning big matches because they understand jujitsu, but in a different way. Um yeah. but because this new system's coming through, I think the main thing is the progression that white belts are going to have back to getting to black belt, um, because they'll develop the timing, the pressure and everything, playing the system. And that's what a lot of people, going back to what Firaz Zahabi was saying, thinking that he's just a defensive system. Yes, it's a defensive system, but there's a lot of attacks, which is nullifying, and your attacks that are going to stay are going to be very small, but it's going to be jab crosses. It's going to be timing. Uh, you know, this jab cross idea, it's not taught in jiu-jitsu, um, for some reason, because it's a sport at the end of the
0: day. oh well, actually, you say that is I went to one of the uh Danaher, Gordon Ryan, Garatonan seminars. Uh yeah. it's about three or four years ago now. It was over at Balliu's gym. And it's actually something that Gordon Ryan said. He said that uh being my my memory is hazy, I've been hitting the head a lot since then. <laughs> <laughs> um But he said, like you know, when he's when he's trying to pass on top, he's always threatening leg locks because the the defense of one is the cause of the other. Like if I hunt your legs, you might normally give me a pass. Yeah, and if you're trying to defend a pass, you're normally not thinking about your legs. So that's actually you say that you know it's it's a sport. Um, The the upper echelons of this sport do this. Yes. Um, But I think again, this comes circles back around to maybe one of the problems in traditional gyms is it's taught A, B, C instead of this idea that try and look at the the end outcome and look at the the, the two possible outcomes and and playing both at the same time Um, so trying to answer this question of how to incorporate this training or how to maximise what you do in the gym uh, if you haven't got the time um, I'd say that don't get too bogged down with um, maximizing the amount of techniques you have. I'd say uh, take the core fundamental concepts, write them down. They are all over these videos. Yeah, um, Maybe one day I'll just do like a rundown of all the concepts. I'll, uh, I'll ask the Discord channel if that's any use. Uh, so if you listen to this and you think a rundown of the core concepts is useful, like, I don't know send us money. And that would give us a hint. <laughs> um, oh, I get it now. The money's around.
1: Um, the energy goes, you know, faster and quicker. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, it
0: goes into my brain faster this way. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So have an idea of the core concepts in your head and then read the jujitsu from it as in read your roles and, and or try and incorporate the concept like one at a time Um it's kind of I, I, whenever I've taught like something fundamentally changing, like do more grit fighting in the pocket or uh, sweep theory or something like that, what will usually happen. is actually the same. Again, one of the funny things about jujitsu is normally when you teach a technique and everyone in the class does it, no one will get that t- technique for about a month yeah. because everyone's got that technique on their mind. Yeah. Um, I'd say play one of the concepts and hit it repeatedly until that's all you're doing in the fight and then eventually it'll kind of relax off it's kind of like you've pendulumed one way and then it kind of swings back into a more normal part of jiu but that's now slotted in if you know what I mean Um and keep doing that I mean it's actually one thing that you know from my white belt days when I first uh, met Christian I don't know if it was in his book or it was a seminar I went to uh, of his, uh, when I was a, a white belt Christian Graugart, is this idea of writing on your fridge or wherever, um, you know, something you're going to do for the next six months, for the next year. Because if you're serious about Jitsu mm. you're going to be here forever. You're going to be here for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, why just do something for a month or whatever? You don't have to have your coach's approval to do this. You know, you can kind of structure your own rolling from it. But take something. And make it yours for the next year yeah and, um i started to do this like i say, about nine years ago whenever it was uh, eight years ago in that what i do is i would i said well, like almost write it down and so said this is my thing now for the next year and i started doing that i mean initially it was like a stiff arm escape from side control it doesn't have to be a sweep or a submission it can be anything uh, a certain escape a certain position but I, made, I would do the stiff arm escape every single role. No matter what that person did to me, like I, I had to fail it a million times. I got armbarred. I got uh, it stuffed into my neck and I got all horrible things done to me. But eventually, I, I think when you started, I might've been a killer with this technique. Mm. Um, if I fired off that technique, you were done. Cause I'd done it a million times in a million different roles with a million different people. Like, mm. I knew how it worked. And then I think roughly when you started, I became obsessed with pressure from top side control.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I like how you smile and laugh when you hear that. <laughs> but I spent then probably three to four years only concentrating on that. Obviously, you know, you'd have your uh, satellite things you're working on in jiu-jitsu, but every time I'd always make sure I'd get to top side and I'd try and find a way of making someone go, Ugh! <laughs> Because <laughs> i obliterate their ribs in a certain way. So eventually I knew everything they had to about pressure. That like I could just... Knew exactly where to put the weight on my hip, on my shoulder, or anything to make my side control miserable. And I think you remember those days. Yeah. Um, so like, like I said, it was a pendulum. It was swinging hard that way. And now it's going kind to of calm down. I've got like a normal jiu-jitsu again. Um, but yeah, so how do you maximize your training then? Is... See it in the longer term. See it as I'm going to be here for a while. Don't dilly dally between that's so English, it's unreal. Uh, don't flip between different things all the time and get bored because then you're you, you barely scraping the surface of something before you've moved on to the next thing. Take mm. a few core concepts like this whole defensive um, positioning, like covering and stuff like that, and just focus that in your rolling. Make that the core thing you're focusing on at all roles that you have to do at least once. Now like you're going to mess up your guard and you go to go to this defensive posture. And that's pretty much what we did when we first started picking it up. I mean, we've been doing this now for what, four years, I think it is. Yeah, Since coming was, up to four. It's the end of 2017. Um, yeah,
1: coming up to four.
0: Exactly. It's nuts, isn't it? Um, in November,
1: yeah. November will be four years.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, okay, we're at three in a bit. Um, but every role is kind of like you'd fail, you get straight into this calf. Kind of, um Defensive posture until now It's just settled in all of us. We've killed it. Like, we know exactly everything about it. Um, so anyone like white belt, blue belt, or anything like that, it doesn't have to be the defensive postures, but I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. Take the concepts, take the sweet theory, take choke theory, take something you really love. Take the defensive postures, um, and you know, do the drills that your coach says. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, uh, they you know they got to their level for a reason. Um, There's something you really want to work on. Do it once every roll. Fail it a million times. Fail it and and be critical of why you failed it. Look at it from that third person's perspective and go right. That time, I didn't have my elbow there or my leg wasn't there or I was a bit late on there. So I would you know, and branch out on it as well. Like think, okay, well this time I went. I tried to go out this way. It didn't work. Right next time I'm going to do this and understand everything there is to do about this one little bit of jujitsu. And eventually. Yeah. It would be, yeah, be possible to be with it. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, linking on to that is. Um... Sorry, what were we all about again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had something, uh, something... and then you stopped and I was like, damn, I forgot it now. Idea. I, was, I know I went in a bit of a rant then. It was this idea of um, taking something in your jujitsu and seeing the longer picture for it.
1: Yes. So, uh, yeah, I just got it back again. Try and remember your roles. I think that's one of the best things you can do, because if you can have say, have a five-minute role, and if you can remember most of it or the main things that happen, and you can talk to yourself after all, like I said, if you can find a partner who you can talk to, feedback is one of the main things, and it's one of the major things that uh, I think Jiu-Jitsu lacks, uh, especially in training and other gyms that I've seen, is people don't talk to each other like, they don't talk, okay, this failed. Why did it fail? Okay, let me try this again. Okay, what happens if I do this? You rarely see it. It's like, just roll, and then that's it. You move on to the next person. I mean, if you come out, if you come to our gym, like, it's a role, and then you'll see people talking for about two minutes, and then the next person, some will carry on. Like, the competitors, if it's, like, competition roles, they'll just carry on. But, you know, you'll see people who are working on a skill, you know, and they'll be saying at the end of a role and be like, oh, I did this. Okay. You know, if you can try and remember your roles, I think that will really help your development.
0: I think that was actually something that Tarza said about when we – I think when he was at our gym and we were talking to him about – what trains like a, a, the the blue basement, he said that the role is not massively into like you know just round after round after round killer roles. It's like you know you might have one role then like ten minutes off or something like that. I can't remember it's been years against like four years since she saw Tarza, because yeah. um, they talk about the roles and try and figure out what they were doing. I think again that's a maybe a, something we need to focus a bit more on on because it is it is super addictive. Like do you know sometimes you have to do these. You know, five minutes on, 30 seconds off, let's go Spartan. Yeah. But I think it's also just as critical to have like five minutes on, 10 minutes off. And I know just before we kind of left uh, the gym due to, to Rona, one thing I started to incorporate quite a lot of on, um, say so if we'd gone through a concept on that night or a certain technique or whatever, is I'd say to people like, roll, but you should be able to hit a pause button like there should. Yes, like it's, yes. it's not a true role. It's not to the death, Spartan kind of. Rah, let's 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 go for this until one of us emerges victorious. Look at it from a from, a, from a, as a learning tool. There should be a pause and rewind button. You should be able to, at any point in that like specific kind of role. Now, it's not like a positional sparring or anything like that. And again, it you know things can easily get out of hand. Yeah. You should be able to just go stop there, pause. Right, can you just rewind three seconds to where we were before? Can you pause again? I want to see what my options are from here. Yeah. Um, again, like numerous black belts have spoken about this idea before. I know Christian uh, used to have his, his chest drill, and that's one thing we, I think we used to do years ago, is that it was kind of like one-for-one one techniques. Yeah. As in, you know, you do a technique, and then I do a technique, and I, you can't counter anything I'm about to do. Like If I just went for a grip on your leg, you couldn't like move your leg out of the way I got to yeah. do what I wanted to do so it was like and then like you know you press the timer and they'll go to the person and and they would then do however long they wanted to do their technique yeah it doesn't have to be that extreme but and again like Dan has kind of you know this thing about what Taz said if our memory serves correctly that you know having longer off between rounds to actually examine what the round was yeah or what we do of, of hitting the pause button I think Rolling is important for timing and important for cardio and just because it's an addictive sport (laughs) is why we're in this. But I think also it needs to to be another type of rolling where it is an educational tool. You're doing it for a specific reason, for a specific outcome in your own head. Like, I'm working on this concept today in my rolls, win or lose.
1: It's another method of uh, active drilling, ain't it? Yeah, exactly.
0: It's it's a... um, it's I don't know if, uh, yeah. It's like randori would be like a prime example like in the judo world. Like yeah. you have sparring, competition sparring, whatever, but then you have randori, which is where, you know, you you're doing the techniques of that night in a live environment. So I think pretty much what we went into with the, the pause aspect. Yeah. Um rolling from that situation but hitting pause at the right time to go, right, how do I get this now? Or how do I mess this up? Um Final part, then. Uh, I'm sure we'll just waffle on for a bit. (laughs) A question was asked about who I think my... And this is actually quite funny. Who I think my top three online instructors are in Mm. jiu-jitsu. I don't watch any instructionals. What makes it even funnier is... I don't watch any instructionals, but I make a channel all about doing instructionals, <laughs> um, online instructionals. Yeah, I don't use them. Um, I don't know if that's a time problem or anything like that. Um, also, what even funnier, I never drill. I haven't drilled a technique in in a gym scenario. I don't know. Maybe like maybe yeah, I've done a little bit at the camps and stuff, but like going to a gym and drilling how old am I, eight or nine years um, which then goes, I think there's a bigger topic on that and how do you, how do you learn about drilling in nine mm. years um, so I think, okay I can't answer that question who would you consider your top three online instructors then?
1: Again, <laughs> I don't watch instructionals um, <laughs> If we had
0: Alex on here I think Alex could go on forever about who his are
1: Yeah, I think off the top of my head, um, because he does a lot of gi, doesn't he? He loves gi. Um, He likes... um, He likes a few guys, to be fair. But, I mean, going back to me, uh, online, I don't watch any instructionals, but I watch a lot of, like, high-level matches, MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, just to try and figure out what they're doing. Um, Not... You know, just watching what they're doing and how it fits into what we're doing, and there's a lot of things which I see could be cancelled out easily with what we're doing, and there's things which could be made made worse, you know, with the offence that we were playing with uh,
0: mm.
1: before COVID. Um, but that's the way I learned, to be fair. Uh, but I do follow a couple of guys. I mean, Lachlan Giles, uh, he came to our gym, didn't he, and we yeah, had yeah. good roles. Uh, and I, obviously, he likes preach stuff, and he understands. You know, he takes some of the stuff out of it as well and uses it. And I like his way of teaching. You know, and I've seen a couple mm. of his things uh, when he did the whole K guard stuff. I watched a couple of things on that and I was like, this is quite cool. Who else? Obviously Tarza, because he come to our gym, got to know him a bit, and you know, he taught us quite a bit, quite a bit with the leg lock stuff and the butterfly stuff. And I'd say one of the one of the first guys we had at our gym, Dan Spouse, when I started, I watched. You know, I've. He taught us about Fly originally, didn't he? Uh, yeah, well, me anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they're the three guys who I would really watch online uh, if I was to say instructional wise. They're not instructions, just maybe a couple of minute clips that I watch, you know, I'm looking at what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I've that's what instruction, i instructional, I've never bought one. No, I, I don't think I have. Um, I think I bought the kit Dale, Nick Gregory, I just won like years ago, like seven years ago, mm. uh, which was a conceptual one anyway. Um, but I don't. I, I I feel uh it's like I I think this is one of the biggest problems in I remember, you know, years and years ago. So this, this kind of gives away my my age in this sport, is I probably got a lot of my initial stuff by watching submissions one oh one. I think it was mm-hmm. really before like YouTube was like mostly used for jujitsu. A lot of it was like hosted on individual websites kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which is where I was finding a lot of the techniques I that you started using back in two thousand and whatever, nine. Um but I remember watching like Imanari and learning the Imanari role because it was cool, yeah. uh, and then actually learning it from Imanari himself uh, back in September last year. Yeah, the online like the details that he had in person were were infinitely better. But I, my my understanding of jujitsu had changed so much that I could now see why his worked, and so. I think the reason I don't watch on online online structures, and you know, maybe I just watch matches more, or there's one minute clips and stuff like that, is I'm more interested in the conceptual foundations of jujitsu, and I'd rather um, almost like see the theory play out. Like I don't like these like really flashy kind of like madness, you know, uh, upside down, inverted, rolly, 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 back take, like, mm. like <laughs> madness. You know that would happen in a million Bet years. <laughs> exactly but it's kind of like i'm I, i'm almost like a you know absolute purist with how i want my jujitsu to be i want it to be like you know, in uh the most foundational form so if i then like you know I watch all that kind of madness spin around uh insanity and then if it just lands in armbar, i'm like cool why is that armbar working you know is yeah. it following the principles of one above one below um And it's just stuff like that you know like a sweep, if i if i see someone get swept or, or a sweep or something like that in a random video I'm like right does the sweep follow this rule is it you know they're swallowing sweep theory yeah yes or no and then it's kind of like, is it is it reinforcing the the concept for me is it like is my concept right is this technique right or is this madness and like i don't know an Aikido technique where someone's just falling over um
1: yeah you know, when I watch Matthew sometimes man <laughs>
0: you like
1: if somebody else was watching me, I'll be like, "Where's your chicken man? Where's your chicken? What are you doing when somebody's playing God? I'm like, what are you doing? There's no chicken bro <laughs>
0: well, that's the kind of like exactly like if I watch like a match and like and then i I see one of our principles in action, I'm like, right, well, that's why this isn't working or well, this is working for him, yeah, and so it kind of then reinforces in me or something change or something happens um and so it's the concept breaking or something like, and yeah, know, someone, um, I don't know, like you say, playing grilled chicken, like, yeah. you know, covering the gaps and all of a sudden they've, they've gone for something their leg opens up and like the pass happens. Like, right, okay, cool. That's why. Um, same with like, someone can't escape like a uh, leg lock or something like that. It's like, is it following the leg lock principles? And actually, yes. uh, with my little notes that I've scribbled down to my side, uh, there is something on, Someone asked about leg lock principles, basic leg lock principles. Um, mm. I've, I've, I keep coming back into this. Uh, from a traditional gym, then, um, yeah, this person's asked about uh, leg lock principles and like what kind of leg lock principles we'd follow. This mm. then kind of goes into this like conceptual thing that we were just talking about: is that I don't need to watch instructionals because I'm the purist. I don't i want to make sure that if i do watch something that's kind of fit in the narrative and like i don't i'm not interested in just straightforward techniques and that seems to be what most instructionals are mm. um what would you say then is uh how would you then explain <laughs> um because this person said like you, know, you can watch all the dan her videos in the world Mm. Uh, how do you explain basic leg lock principles to a traditionalist, white belt, gym person?
1: Basic leg lock principles. Knee line. Most basic one you can give them.
0: Control the knee line. What do you mean? So, okay. Uh, this is me throwing you to the, the lines, damn it, right now. <laughs> um, this is an online podcast. Yeah. Probably to most people it's gonna be audio only. Yeah. And they don't really play leglocks. Okay. So how do you explain the hunting of leglocks? consider them they may have already heard the inside outside stuff that you did recently. Yes. How do you explain the control on hunting of leglocks to someone okay. who's only listening to us?
1: So uh with any limb submission obviously we know the joint that we try we want to attack we need to control the one above and below yeah Yeah. um so uh the main things you really break with your legs uh, or someone's legs is their knees uh, and ankles those are both inside and outside and at the foot Mm -hmm. as well um and if you you know there's a not particular, not like uh they're not moves to break your act- uh, main bones, your tibia and the fibula, but sometimes, you know, we've seen it happen with the legs or leg locks where the actual bone has broken. Um, but obviously when we're hunting, we're only looking for the knee and the ankles and the foot, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if I want to break the knee, actually, actually we've actually found recently that with the ankle locks, we don't really always need the top of the knee above the knee, do we?
0: Um, no, no, that was the thing that we got from Amsterdam is, yeah um, um, it's a nice to get the whole leg, but you don't need it. Um,
1: But you are actually controlling the knee anyway. uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, but just because you're below it. Um,
1: But we were always like, no, be above the knee line. Anyway, going back to what I was saying. So um, I think inside guards, if you understand inside guards, they'll be your best uh, avenue to use to get to Mm -hmm. the legs. Basic, like I'm talking basic. Obviously, we've got the K guards and all that stuff now, which is more, you know, we were on about that the other day with the inside and the outside guards. But uh, yeah, if I was teaching basic, I'd always uh, say, look, inside guard mm-hmm. uh, and you want to control you want to get them down first, if they're standing, you want to get them down to a hip um, yeah. and then you need to latch on <laughs> latch on hard <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know defense there's not many defensive principles, I don't think you know, um, same with the attacking ones, but yeah, knee line. Will, knee line is so important, in my opinion, whether you're attacking the ankle or the knee. Go on.
0: I think one of the core I think, ideas you have to have in your head when you actually comes to playing leg locks yeah. is a leg lock, what's the difference between a leg lock and a leg position? And these are kind of used interchangeably. And this is kind mm-hmm. of the important part is when talk, someone talks about you know basically leg lock principles, I think the first part you actually need to then get into your head and and separate is the difference between an ankle lock, mm-hmm. a heel hook, a knee bar, whatever, and a control position. Yeah. Because the ankle lock, the knee bar, the heel hook are all submissions. But there has to be something before that. There has to be a control position. The control is yes. like when you when you're going for like a um any other submission, any other joint submission, like yeah. you go for an arm bar, uh, a regular armbar. the spider web precedes it, like you have, you know, wrap around the arm, you're sitting on the shoulders, etc. The the submissions, the final part of the end where you've had the arm outstretched and, and then you destroy it. Yeah. There's a whole other part first of that mind that of control position. Uh, same with the Kimura, you know, you get the, the double wrist grip as in a wrestling terminology there, and then eventually <laughs> you, you control the body enough that you can then ratchet the arm around to the scratch in the back of the head yeah. um, I think it's the exact same with the leg locks is that it's trying to differentiate in your head of like okay what what are your finishes but also what are what are the positions first like understanding of how to create a pinch above yes. the knee or south the knee for uh, certain finishes as well but it all circles back around to I think before you can get into the the, the breaking mechanics is Defense. Seen... Pardon?
1: Defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh is how do you um actually find a leg position? Like as much I mean this is actually a really good one. I actually did a, a class with um this is the one of the Globetrotter camps. Uh Jeff, I think it was on about how um, he, he had us do uh, you know, had us all in the bottom of all in side control, the bottom of side control, he said right, escape mm. and like he timed us like 30 seconds, everyone was out of side control he said right, okay, escape mount mm. um, and like, like 30 seconds one minute later, everyone was out of the bottom of mount and then he said right and he put us in uh 411 saddle or whatever and put us in the uh, Crusader leg knot yeah. or whatever it is, you know, um where you have you know the you have the the close close side leg like you're gonna heel hook and then you take the far side leg and you wrap it around, He said, all right, go. So everyone escaped that.
1: <laughs>
0: and no one did. He said, this is the the most effective pin control in all of Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah it's not that it's okay. It's a bit harder because your legs, you know, are wrapped up and you've been Lieutenant Dan and had your legs taken away for you from you. But, um, no one knows that, you know, no one's drawed out this position enough. And it was that kind of separation there. Of like, right. This is a position. This is a mm. pin, It's mm. not a traditional looking pin. Cause I'm not on top of you, pinning you down, but I still have your legs and you can't get away from me. Yeah. Um, and so I think if you're trying to look at this from a, uh, basic leg lock principles if you're in a traditional gym or anything like that is try and separate those ideas in your head first of like because that's normally how leg locks are looked at like the boogeyman of uh, yeah. oh don't do leg locks
1: <laughs> so you can
0: do a leg pin take out the breaking mechanic at the end just understand how to like actually just hold like pin someone with their legs like how do you get an ashy enough uh, wrap around their leg so they can't go anywhere so they end up and that's again when I went to the Danaher seminar the first part was how do you create such a, a tight pinch on their leg that the other person can literally drag you around the room and you won't let go of them? Yeah. Way before we actually did any braking mechanics. Um, so as a basic leg-lock principle. Yeah, okay, there's a the joint-breaking principle of going above and below the joint you want to destroy. Like if you want to do an arm bar, control the shoulder and the wrist. If you want to do a Kimura, control the other shoulder and the elbow. If you want to do a knee bar, control the hip and the ankle. But before you get to any of those things and you know the basic breaking mechanics of anything, look at leg pins, look at the inside outside, and then creating pinches on the leg that just hold them in place. I think as soon as you kind yeah. of get that in and, and drill on that, I think then you can maybe start looking at uh braking mechanics. But I think anything before that is kind of pointless because then it's just like jumping for arm bars, but before you actually understand how to actually hold on to a spider web. Yeah. You're just gonna fall off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
0: I think that can kind then of circles around to you know I can see why in my notes I actually wrote these kind of two things quite close together. This idea of online instructionals and instructionals in general is never look at it as setup up finish, because then you miss those important parts. Like you'll see the setup for like a leg lock in an instructional. Um and you see like you know the the unbalancing, you'll see the the grabbing of the leg and the break you think, oh that's a leg lock. It's not. there was like three separate things there. There was okay the initial yeah. setup. But then there's a leg pin. And that leg pin's massive. That leg pin pin's important. And then once you've got full control of the leg, then you can maybe go for the finish. But that's a whole different subject entirely. Leg yeah. pins, but it's not sexy. Jiu-jitsu is not sexy anyway. I mean, if anyone can watch, if anyone can see the the cameras right now, like, Jiu-jitsu ain't a sexy sport. Um, We we do not fall into that category. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But, yeah, people want to see the the smashing of the limbs at the end. They they don't care, like, and that's kind of, like, where, especially leg locks, because it's such a, a, a taboo, thing to watch especially for normal jiu-jitsu people it's like oh you guys are you guys are mean you're, you're, <laughs> doing, you're doing horrible things to each other's legs <laughs> it's, not, it's a pin here a whole yeah. different like pinning system south of the body yes and then occasionally we break shit <laughs> um
1: but yeah as a core cool principle where i would also say is link the leg leg the positions but don't rely just on leg locks use Fit in how to get up, fit in how to sweep using you know, the leg controls because we both know how many times we use the actual controls, but we, don't,
0: we won't get the finish, so we use them to sweep and get up on top. Yeah, I think that's, again, it's kind of circle back around to what we just said about it being a positional thing, as in it's a pin. Yeah. And like any other pin, like cycle or something like that, you should be able to transition between pins. And just because now you're south of the hips doesn't mean you can't do a leg pin yeah. And then move north. That's exactly a major
1: detail. As... Like a lot of people, there's a lot of people who don't play that or do that. And I'm like, you know, it's not taught it all the time, is it? That basic principle of that just because you're going for the legs doesn't mean you can't just abandon and you're on top now.
0: <laughs> Actually, that's, it was, again, it was um, that was a seminar of, of uh, Danaher, Tonin, and Ryan over at um, Brolio's four or five years ago, But So that's Polaris. Um, it was gold. Just because they kind of spoke about a lot of these kind of principles, is that you know, um how we talked about this idea of jab cross, like you know, go go for a sweep to go for a leg lock or submission, or go for a pass to go for a submission. At the same time, go north to go south.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, you know, go for a uh, an arm lock to go for a leg lock or go for a leg lock to go for an arm lock. And when you can start to see those jab crosses, yes, that's Mad, madly mad, yeah. effective. That's Having a mad fight. times <laughs> I've scarily caught pre, and it's very few and far between because that guy is a machine to try and roll with, as we both know. Is I actually went for a uh, kimura on him, picked him up in north south, uh, went for a kimura, Uh and as he was defending the kimura, I threaded my leg through for a inside An-bar- heel hook. Oh, was it heel hook? Yeah, man, heel hook. I remember one time when
1: you got that armbar on him. Was it? Was it? Uh... Yeah, I, might oh, got, I'm sorry. You
0: know, I think he, he armbarred me.
1: Yeah, but uh, didn't you get a, a choke on him once or something, or not, across his jaw
0: when I was sitting there once? No, no, I got a choke under his neck once, I think. I was once, to yeah, yeah, band, yeah. And like, I, I controlled him a little bit too much for him to escape. I think yeah. I was pinning his other shoulder.
1: Oh, I haven't I seen for this heel hook once. Oh, no, the heel
0: hook one was like, um, yeah, I went for a Kimura. Uh, I'm talking uh, I think an important thing about whenever you talk about roles is trying to try take out the the... Oh, I beat this guy, kind of Yeah, part behind it. <laughs> it's a roll, <wrong> <laughs> man. Just look at it. Just look at it from the, the the technical standpoint of like how something worked, the conceptual part. So let's okay, it wasn't pre. It was some random guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the only way I could beat this individual was by jab crossing it by making it me go high, so then he wouldn't go low. Um. So I went for a kimura, and as the kimura was happening. I threaded through and went for the heel hook. I've done that mm. a few times now where I've gone for, like, uh, spiderweb arm lock, you know, arm bars and had my leg in the spiderweb. And I've threaded my leg through to... Um, or made it look like I had a weak spiderweb. Yeah. So they'd take my leg in between their legs to, like, yeah. destroy the position. And then swing around completely and go for a heel hook on that leg. Mm. And so... Um, yeah, like, this idea of... Uh, you know, you have to go for one or the other. It's, it's, you know, once you have a leg lock, you have to go for a finish on the leg lock because it's a leg lock. No, it's a leg pin. Mm. Right? And as any other pin, there are transitions. You can trans- transition from um, having like an ashy to uh, side control. Yeah. And I, I, in theory, an ashy is just a fallen over single leg X like any other single leg X, why can't you use it as a pass? Yeah. Or a sweep and go for a side control of it. So anyone in the, in the traditional kind of gyms where leg locks aren't really taught, change your mindset on what a leg lock actually is. Mm. The leg lock is usually, with, you know, the part you're thinking of is the break at the end, the ankle lock, the heel hook, the knee bar. There's a whole system of leg pins beforehand, and those leg pins can be used. As transitions into other things, into um, obviously take reaping into consideration if you're IBJJF. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we thought about that, dude. Um, but yeah, separate those ideas out in your head. Like, go low. Like, if you're having an issue like holding side control, learn how to get a good leg weave going. If you lose your side control, if they, if they shrimp in, um, like, go for like a crossbody kind of 70, 30, whatever uh, leg pin hold. Like almost like you're doing like a um, it's really hard to like show stuff, isn't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> especially leg locks because there's like yeah. your foot and will then, go from one side to the other and it's a different
0: position completely. I to have some sort of like I, I actually do have like a notebook filled of ideas of what we're going to record when we go back in the gym, and every time we talk, every time we go on the damn Discord channel. I'm not saying I don't like the Discord channel; it's been it's brilliant, awesome. <laughs> it's brilliant. Actually, some this is, it's actually going to feed into what I, talk, what I talked about with pre tomorrow, if, how with regards to. Um, this whole uh group thinking uh, way of growing the jujitsu as in we've had to think so much more about because we've actually been asked all these questions. I imagine what he's going through right now of BJJ. Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. just getting questions on him all the time. Um, we're just like <laughs> like when, when people talk about like you know saying, you know, I want I want pre you know for dinner, you got pre at home. like we're the pre at home, we're the cheap version like, so people can kinda... <laughs> oh well <laughs> yeah like we, we want Preet, you've got Brit pre- at home and then they <laughs> open up it as us two <laughs> like our Discord channel is just really cheap version of defensive BJJ um... well we
1: should have said Preet is one of the best online instructors <laughs> or else he's going to have us both
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, he is um, I don't watch his stuff because I got it firsthand and had it got, got <laughs> my soul thoroughly destroyed by him. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk about that story tomorrow anyway, about how he broke my heart. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll say it now, is what he did to me, and this is kind of like what made me curious about this whole system. Um, Naki said this story a thousand times. Uh, curious about this whole system in the first place is that I met him at the 2017 Globetrotter Camp in Copenhagen, and I was a purple belt, and he pin me to the ground flat just by touching my elbows he didn't have any pressure on me from side control he was just like literally on his knees and just like cupped both my elbows and now stuck to the floor and every time i moved he would submit me and that made me curious like how is this man doing this i thought i had you know i was competing at black belt already in some like nogi competitions in, in in the area and all of a sudden i'm getting bullied by an estonian guy um it wasn't until like maybe a year later he was actually talking about this very idea. And he said, Oh, it's my favorite thing to do to purple belts, because they think they're getting somewhere
1: and then you mm-hmm. do this
0: to them, it completely breaks their egos and their minds. I'm like, and he's like, I find it so funny to watch. I was like, Pri, you did it to me, you asshole. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh yeah. It's <laughs> like, for oh, God's sake. I think he showed I, it at the seminar, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And I was like <laughs> sitting there, like, yeah, you did this to me. Like, I was the purple belt you enjoyed watching suffer. Um <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, I'll make sure I incorporate this in tomorrow, but yeah, I think this is another one of those you have to see it to believe it kind of videos we need to do in the gym of you can transition between a leg pin and an upper body pin. Yep. Um, I hope to whoever is a traditional jiu-jitsu player and they hear this, uh, take that on board. They're not scary. They are... Positions first and foremost. Do the submissions later. If you have a good positional, now if you can hunt a position really well, it's like, okay, there's no point in you learning how to guillotine from mount if you're no good at holding mount. There's no point in you learning how to get a dart from side control if you can't hold side control. Yeah, just like there's no point learning how to do an ankle lock if you can't hold a leg pin, like. Do that part first. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> and then down the line, when uh has over and everyone's doing their Glocks and their Fujitsu gym, <laughs> maybe you'll have a head start. <laughs> um, as I probably, hopefully mentioned, I can't remember. So it feels so long ago since we started this podcast. Um, this will be a weekly thing with myself and Naki. There will be uh, other guests. On other podcasts, which I'll be doing. Uh, these are currently on Spotify and Amazon. Are we on Spotify? Apple, Google. Yeah, man, we're on Spotify. Oh, shit. Send me the dinghy link. I want to see it. <laughs> Dude, if you just type villain cast into Spotify, we pop yeah. up. Nice. I know, man. I was working on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're currently on Spotify. We're currently on Amazon. Uh, we will be on, hopefully, Google Podcasts and Apple and Uh, so everyone listen to this yeah there will be more podcasts uh, with guests Uh, we've got pre coming up we've got Josh McKinney uh, Johnny Buck Um, also this weekly podcast with Naki if you've got any questions you'd like to ask me Naki there are also going to be multiple videos throughout the week uh, of me talking about stuff until we get back in the gym and Mm. then there'll be plenty of uh, gym-based videos as well me and Naki answering stuff but regardless of all that uh these are a lot of fun we have the discord channel it's growing all the time i'm gonna to have to start uh bonsai shaping it into actually something a bit more manageable because it's just sprouting all over the place <laughs> right now There's so many different topics i mean i, I leave it for half a day and i can't remember what the hell's been said yeah. it's been so long since uh that part of the thread was visible um but yes, uh, thank you for tuning in on this uh, episode three of Villaincast with uh, myself and Naki. Uh, mm. Yes, join us on the Discord channel and uh, come and chat to us. Thank yeah. you, Naki.
1: Thank you very much. See you guys soon.
0: See you soon, dude. In a
1: minute.